Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Homeschool Leader Podcast. This is your host, Carol Topp, and I am excited to have with me a guest, uh, Julie Schiffman, who is um, a home educator, homeschooler, as well as an advocate for alternate education coming from California. And Julie has taken the opportunity to tell us a little bit about a new project she's got going, a website called Ten Toad. She'll explain that. But uh, we're really here to talk about something that has just bubbled up and come, become very popular in California and spilling over to the rest of the country, and that is something called a pandemic pod or pod schooling. So, Julie, thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome to the podcast, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about pandemic pods and how it's like or not like homeschooling. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, and you have a, a strong background in education. You used to be a school teacher, and now you have a, a master's in education, but you did homeschool as well. I, how long did you homeschool, or are you still homeschooling? We are still homeschooling, and we have always homeschooled. My boys have never been to school. Okay. And you have led several types of homeschool groups or, or um, trying to launch them, and then this thing called COVID-19 got in the way. So you also have leadership experience and understanding a lot of what homeschool leaders are going through. And since this is a podcast for homeschool leaders, we, uh, we want to talk keeping that in mind, but understanding that this also might be listened to by um, homeschooling parents or public school parents who are interested in homeschooling or public school parents who are interested in pod schooling. But I think a lot of leaders might run up against people who are public school mindset or have had their children in the public school and now are investigating their options. So let's talk about a little bit about what what you would understand or how you would explain what a pandemic learning pod is to people who've never heard of anything like that. So people are using the term pandemic pods or pandemic pod schooling for a lot of different things right now. It can be anything. Um, just like homeschooling has a great variety of approaches and philosophies, so does the pod schooling. And you could find people who are pod schooling who just want childcare, maybe once or twice a week, sometimes full time. Some people are looking to supplement their school's programming, whatever they're offering this year, because it might not be a full time program. Some people are looking for full time childcare and full time education. So there's lots of different varieties of what people are doing with these pods. And usually it's a small number of families, usually five to ten families who say, we'll form a pod, a small group, and we'll educate our kids, either by taking turns among the parents, and therefore they sound a little like a homeschool co-op, or maybe they uh, have to work or other reasons, but they want to hire a teacher to come in into their homes or into some other place that they've rented or something and run basically a, a learning pod, a pod school, and pay the teacher. So there's those variations too, right? Exactly, exactly. I do think the number of families, though, might be lower than 5 to 10. I think it's more like 3 to 6. I don't – Gotcha. I, 
don't think people are really comfortable going up as high as 10, although some state guidelines have said something about uh, learning cohorts of 12 students or less. So it, it, some people may be looking to have a pod of 10 to 12, possibly. Okay. And I've been getting emails and doing some consultations with folks in other states, typically because they'll, they'll write to me and they'll say something like, hey, Carol, five families are getting together. We're going to homeschool our kids together. We're going to hire a teacher or, or something like that. And, and they call it homeschooling, and they think they're homeschooling. Um, maybe, maybe not. Okay? So it kind of depends on uh, the state that they're in because homeschooling laws vary by state. It kind of depends on how many days out of the week they're going to homeschool or not, or let's just call it doing school, <laughs> educational activities. Kind of like what you said, is this a, a child care? Is it a daycare? Is it a homeschool co-op? Is it a private school? Is it a micro school? Boy, we really don't know. And what I found after doing a few of these and a few email consultations and hanging out in Facebook groups is, is each one is very unique and you almost have to evaluate um, each of these pods um, on an individual basis of whether what they're doing is legal, um, if they can pull it off, uh, and if, even if it's a, a, a viable idea. But I right. wanted you to, to talk us through how would pod schooling, we'll call it that, how would pod schooling be different from homeschooling? And you wrote a great blog post. It's linked to your website, tentoad.com. And I'll, I'll share the link for that on my website, but I think you put it out on um, medium.com. And it's just called, what are pandemic pods? And what's the difference between pandemic pod schooling and homeschooling? So I, I want you to talk about that, and, and then we're going to find out what this funny named website you have started called Tentoad is all about <laughs> and what you're offering to help um, families transition into homeschooling. So I'm going to ask you about that too. Thank so you. Let's start out, though, a little bit talking about, well, one of the differences you point out between pandemic pod schooling and homeschooling is who does the schooling, who, who is the primary educator. So, so to walk us through, what, what is the difference between pod schooling and homeschooling in terms of who is doing it, the teacher? So in pandemic pod schooling, the primary teacher could be a number of people. It, but likely um, – so I guess for these purposes – when I talk about a pod school, a, pod, a, a learning pod, I'm gearing it towards the most conventional definition of that, meaning with childcare and education provided. And I, I say that because those, that's the situation under which most of these concerns um, that I've listed um, on my website are, are, are most relevant. So for a pandemic pod, Typically, the teacher is going to be hired by the families. It's going to be sometimes a teacher, a certified school teacher who's not going back to the classroom or a private tutor or maybe even one of the parents themselves. In a more co-op style one, you may see parents switching on and off the responsibilities for care and education. And so it's really important to recognize what your state's laws are regarding co-ops compared to what it looks like for a daycare. So we recognize mm -hmm. that daycares might only meet once a week, and it still has to be a daycare. So even though you may be using it only occasionally, 
a home-based daycare will often take kids once or twice a week anyway, so it doesn't really look that different than a daycare. For homeschooling, the primary teacher is the parent, um, but just because the parent is the primary teacher doesn't mean that pe- the parent has to be an expert in all the subject areas because homeschool parents will outsource here and there. We'll sign our kids up for classes. We'll have tutors and teachers in, their, in, our, in our children's lives, but we are still the primary teacher. We are still the one driving that train. In the pandemic pods, mm-hmm. it could be that the hired teacher typically is using a boxed curriculum that's in lockstep with what the uh, school districts are using. Yeah. So, in a, and every state is a little different, but in Ohio, the, the homeschooling statute says that the parent is the person who is primarily delivering the education. And so they, they don't define how many hours. Uh, they tell us how many hours you need to educate the child, but they don't define primary in terms of hours. So right. it's a little uncertain. So basically we've always thought here in Ohio, okay, if I'm going to roll my child in a program, a homeschool program, a co-op, a, a, you know, classes, whatever, let's just make sure it's not more than two days a week so that the primary educator is still mom or dad, the guardian or parent, three days a week, right? But – you you touched on something very briefly, but the whole daycare situation. So yeah, so this is why it's a little confusing. So I've had to I've had to research daycare <laughs> rules, and one of the ways, at least in Ohio, again it varies with each state. One of the way homeschool co-ops are exempted from being daycares is the parents either stay in the building, which is very true with a co-op, or uh, if it's a drop-off program, they don't meet for more than six hours a day. Okay. okay, that's Ohio. California is very different. California, where you are at, doesn't even have a definition of homeschooling. They say these are the options you can home, but you don't have a homeschooling statute like we do here in Ohio. So right. you don't have any statement about the parent as the primary teacher. You just believe that that is the essence of homeschooling, and I do too. Good there is a out. statement at the bottom of the private school affidavit in California. There is a statement that, like in your that you agree to that you that you are not enrolling that child in another public or private school. Oh, so okay. that's the the gray area is well then are these private schools these other private schools so if everybody declares themselves their own private schools are these other ones private schools but then we're going to get down to the definition of primary teacher and who's doing the delivering of the education and so yeah it um it it, it will likely cause the legislation to be more specific in the future. Yeah. Ooh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. So, okay, outside of the who is the primary educator, where? Where does a pandemic pod school or pod schooling take place versus where homeschooling takes place? can be a big, big difference as between the two different methods as well, right? Right. I think with the pod schooling, a lot of parents are looking for child care options um, in addition to what they think is socialization. I guess they just don't think that homeschools kids get to have socialization opportunities and that the only way that socialization happens is in a classroom. So the where, sometimes they are dropping kids off at, a, at, at another place so they can have their right. child care needs taken care of because they are working outside the home or inside the home and they need their kids cared for because 
they're young and they need care. So they're dropping kids off somewhere else on a daily basis or somewhat regularly so that their child care needs and their educational needs are being met. No matter where this is, even if it's a public outdoor space, you still would need to have whatever legal rules in place if you are a private school or a daycare. The space matters only for more of the business end of things, not necessarily the legal forming of your, your school or daycare. Because a lot of times the pod schools are for parents who have to work or they choose to basically replicate the public school because that's what their children had and they want probably to go back to that maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of that, it is a mix of, of education because we know being homeschoolers, uh, the homeschooling doesn't take all day. So it's an, right. a, it's an aspect of childcare and homeschooling and that's why sometimes pod schools dip their toes into the daycare regulations of their state. Right. So you're saying you need to check into, are you a daycare? Do you need to be licensed as a daycare? Now, most schools don't have to get licensed as a daycare because they're licensed as schools for school-age children. And daycares are usually the preschoolers, usually. So Right. I think in yeah, California, more- though, the daycare laws go up to age 12 because of, like, after-school programs and things like that. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Yes, um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, All right. So, yeah, yeah where so, it takes place, obviously homeschooling typically takes place, the majority of it, in, in the home. Mostly in the home. But, um, again, you know, there's that socialization myth. doesn't mean we actually stay home all the time. We have lots of community events. We have park days. We have not back-to-school picnic and the end-of-the-year pool party and all the seasonal events in between. We have family dances, co-ops, playdates, field trips classes, workshops, all kinds of things that we would get together, scavenger hunts, all kinds of fun things, sometimes educational things, depends. It's, you know, all kinds of community events. But, again, you're typically with your parents. Sometimes you're dropping them off, you know, for a little bit here or there. But the majority of the time is under the care of the parents. Yeah. So that's why sometimes we're not homeschoolers, we're road schoolers because we're on the road a lot. Right, um, right. True right. enough. And, and again, pre, pre-COVID, we had all those wonderful activities and we're hoping to get back to those activities. A lot of homeschool co-ops have gone on hiatus for this late 20, you know, the fall of 2020 because they know they can't offer some of those wonderful activities you mentioned and still keep the concerns about health and safety. Uh, and social distancing and all the things that we've learned how to be careful about now. Right. So, and that's um, people are considering the, the outdoor option. I think a lot of people are thinking yeah. about holding their pandemic yeah. pods outside. But still, the, the, the concerns are still there um, for uh, the legal aspect of being under. So here's the thing, Carol. Whenever you have money exchanging hands and the responsibility of educating children, when those two fields mix, you have a lot of considerations to, to work through before making it work. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I tell that to my homeschool groups all the time. You know, if you can run your homeschool group without money, <laughs> do right. it. But so few of them <laughs> can. I mean, the old-fashioned 
mom support groups that I jokingly, um, they were wonderful, um, and some still exist, but, you know, they were a group of moms that met once a month in the church basement, and we were there to support moms. And I said, please, during COVID, try to keep that up, homeschool leaders. Try to keep up support of moms, um, even right. if you can't have all the kids gathered, because if mom is, is good, the kids are good. So let's make right. sure we keep supporting the homeschool parent, not just moms, homeschool parent. But you're absolutely right. When money starts exchanging hands and you start hiring people and you need employment contracts, ultimately, you and if you're renting space, ultimately this is all driven uh, back to the, the, the safety and the care of the children involved. Okay, so you need a background right. check on a teacher because you care about the safety and care of the children. It's also driven a little bit here, not a little bit, but a lot, by the fact that every state has compulsory attendance requirements. So I think a lot of people who are thinking creatively about school don't realize someone has got to comply with the compulsory attendance laws of their state. And that means that uh, children of school age who don't have disabilities or, or exceptions, okay, have to be in school. So either the public school, that's the default, enrolled in a private school, enrolled in um, an exemption to the public school or private school, which would be homeschooling. So mm -hmm. when I talk to parents, I have to point out that very obvious thing. Who is meeting the compulsory attendance requirements? Homeschool right. parents, it's us, the parents. School is the right. school. So mixing right. of these two with these uh, pandemic pods is really uh, – Something new they got to wrap their head around. Who is fulfilling the compulsory attendance requirements here? So, it's a little confusing and the ooh. line's definitely a little blurred. Yes, very blurred. You have a wonderful resource on your website, and I want to talk about your website too a little bit, but you have a wonderful checklist, I guess I'd call it. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you call it the Micro School and Learning Pods Checklist and Considerations, and it's a PDF over at 10toad.com. But you have this wonderful list of, hey, if you're thinking of starting a learning pod, some people call them micro schools. They, they might be different. You know, check into everything from zoning to insurance to taxes to contracts. You have a wonderful list of, of things that the, the parents of starting these pod schools need to consider. So folks, go on over to 10toad.com. Julie, what in the heck is Ten Toad? And I want you to tell me a little bit about what kind of things you, you offer at Ten Toad. Okay, and that's Ten Toad as in frog and toad. Um, yes, thank you. T-E-N-T-O-A-D. Um, so tentoad.com, we offer support for families transitioning to homeschooling. And right now what that looks like are these online events that we've been doing that have been really successful. We have keynote speakers and panelists where families can speak directly to the panelists and ask their own burning questions. And we also have, at the end of the event, a, an opportunity for families to meet with the vendors and providers of homeschool learning resources and support, especially with the big sea of things out there, the, the sea of opportunities that seem so um, widely available right now and everybody trying to get a little bit of that homeschool market, these vendors are people that have been curated by our homeschool community, meaning that we know that these people have been offering homeschool and or other learning resources legitimately. And the events are, they're regionally based uh, for a couple of reasons, but uh, because they're virtual, it means anybody anywhere can attend. So 
the majority of the information and resources are for everybody everywhere, but then like I said, right now we're focused on helping families transition to homeschooling and the questions are a lot about like getting started homeschooling and as the school year progresses, the content will shift to continually supporting you through your homeschool journey. There'll be stuff on de-schooling, there'll be stuff on managing the shifting gears and all the kinds of things that happen in those first few months. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.